Hi, my name is Jamie Lynch, and you are listening to Eating Habits, my podcast about everything restaurants. I will explore the human element of the hospitality business, and I'll talk to the who's who in restaurants, explore their stories, and hear what's on their minds in the ever-changing landscape of the food and beverage industry. My name is Paul Manley, and you are listening to Eating Habits. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. Paul. I'm Sir. super stoked to have you here. Um, this is going to be a good conversation. Uh, we were talking a little bit before we started. You know, I've had a couple chefs on. I've had Helen Schwab on, the food critic. Part of the the inspiration for me doing this is to get other people's um, perspectives. And I want to share that with our listeners. Cool. You, sir, have been in the game for some time. I'm old. Yeah. Well, me too. <laughs> How old are you? I'm 56. Oh, you got me beat. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, look at us for God's sake. I better be older than <laughs> yeah. you. Well, I've been working out you're, lately. You're a handsome man. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, buddy. It's all that I quit drinking. That's what it is. Yeah, it's like, it probably yeah, would that's... do me wonders. To think that I could look like you right now if I quit drinking. All you got to do is quit drinking. <laughs> I wish it was that easy. Oh, thank you. So you've been in the game for a hot minute. Let's talk a little bit about, well, so for our listeners, you have three restaurants currently under your your group right now we have three rest three concepts okay we have five restaurants and we're building right. a sixth so yeah we have sea uh, level nc mm-hmm. which is the official name of that it's not sea level one because we don't have the rights to it but secondly <laughs> it's named after the town of sea level north carolina got it and then we've got the waterman fish bar which is on south boulevard with our rooftop bar over there and then we have our burger joint which is ace number three and there's three of those it's uh, belmont village uh concord mills and myers park we're going to talk about burgers a little yeah. bit later because that's something that's near to, and dear to my heart, and everybody who's in my family knows. There's not a culinarian out there that does not is has deep, deep passions about burgers. Um, I've been playing around with burgers, messing with different meat grinds sure. and all that kind of stuff, just to like for no reason other than I just want to try to make yeah. the, the best burger I can. Where have make. you ended up? Like, what's, where, what, what, what camp are you in? Because there's. So, Several. Yeah. Right? So right now, so right now, I'm in the Smash Burger camp. Okay. Um, I, I do like the Smash Burger. We we in our uh, Church and Union restaurants do uh, like a pub style burger. Mm-hmm. So it's the thicker patty. At La Belle Helene, we do a Smash Burger. Okay. And I prefer that patty. Is it because you have a million dollar kitchen? Is that why? You no. <laughs> no. It's because of the Maillard reaction. Okay. It's because of all that caramelization you get um, yeah. on the Smash Burger that you don't really get on like a pub pub style burger right and you um, think it's the you think it's the force of that burger that meat that protein being pressed into that cooking surface is what does it yeah it's it's is it being pressed onto the surface and not then not fiddled with mm-hmm. for don't touch it yeah you just leave it leave it you smash it and right. you don't touch it yeah. for about a minute and a half at least 90 seconds depending on the heat on your mm-hmm. flat top and then it's one turn and you're done right cheese that thing and you're you're done yeah which i i love that yeah. Now, the important thing that I found about that is then you got to get your blend right because you're you're not getting this mid-rare, medium center. Mm-hmm. You're cooking a lot of the juices out of that thing. So you need to have the right fat content. But do you think the blend, what's more important, the cooking technique and getting that right or the blend of, of protein that you're, that you're using? Do I have to pick one? Kind do, of. One, yeah. one has yeah, to be more I, important than the other? I think so. <clears throat> I would say... God, that's tough. Wait, who, who's doing this? Who's asking the questions here? Um, I would say that um, for me, it would be the blend. 
Okay. I think it's the blend. Okay. And the reason I say that is because I've messed with a bunch of different blends. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that I like the most is I like a really lean, either like a round or something like that, or a sirloin mm-hmm. at about 25%. Okay. I like a short rib, like a super fatty yep. brisket yep. at about 25%. And then I do like a 50% of like all of our tenderloin scraps. Okay. So like whatever, you know, end cuts from a New York strip, which is also lean. Sure. Uh, end cuts from our, you know, our filet mignons, super lean, but it has a steaky quality to it. Right. Um, and I really like that blend okay. for my burger. So I would go with the blend because I can, I can cook that either way and enjoy it. Yeah. But smashing is where it's at. What about you? What's your preference? So the idea, what do you guys do? So what do we what we do is we use a we have a, a relationship with Schweid and Son, which okay. is a uh, kind of a custom butcher place. Uh, they're out of uh, Brooklyn. And then they opened up a larger uh, facility in Atlanta. Okay. And so we really like that thin patty burger. For this particular brand, it was like it's fast um, and just having that style of thin patty. But what we found was as we started looking at it was the skill set to get it right, to get the smash right and leave it alone and get the sear right, all those kind of things. We wanted to do a puck and then and do that. But then as we started testing and whatnot, if we wanted to serve a consistent burger and just be in that quick serve environment, the uh, the talent level and the skill set level had to be super teachable and very you know yeah. uh, that way. So we went with a super thin patty. It's 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 a three and a quarter ounce patty. Okay, and um, it's already thin, and you have a clean griddle. We also kind of went through a lot of different types of surfaces. We found this um, this uh, uh, chrome plated griddle that's way too much money and um but the whole idea is exactly what you said you leave it alone you put it down and you don't touch it you season one side you cook it for 90 seconds you turn it over you cheese it and you toast your bread and we use a we use golden grains here locally Mm -hmm. uh, that cooks our bread for us so and we went through a lot what kind of what kind of bread so so what'd you end up with we i thought we were going to end up with a um a potato bun. Just you and I actually had this conversation yeah. before Ace opened. Yeah. You and I were talking. I think we were having a beer. That's back when I actually drank. Yeah. We met someone. We were talking bullshitting, yep. and we were talking about what breads you were trying to land right. on. And I thought we were going to be potato. I thought we were going to end up a potato, but we ended up in brioche, and, okay. and it's great. It's, yeah. It's I mean, a solid. You, know, you can't go wrong with the, right. with the brioche roll. And um, so. But yeah, I think that that's that's where we end, that's the route we ended up. But then when we wanted to be so an ace burger is two patties, and the reason is because I think that relationship between that uh, I know you've mm-hmm. got a technical term for it in the culinary world, but yeah. that that you know the the sear of the meat itself, yeah, and how the Maillard that, reaction, the Maillard, thank you, yeah, and that was more important than the actual flavor of the beef. Yeah, when you have it four times because you've got both sides of a burger, yeah, that to me was. You know, word that that's you know we yep. did you know I got a whole team and we were doing tasting after tasting that's where we ended up and we were proud of where we ended up on that. I've had the burger; it's very good. You guys, yeah, you guys that. are crushing it, and you've got three of them now. So, and yeah. that and that was very fast too. That happened. Um, was it three years? One a year? It no. Is it longer Again, than that? You know, we're not we're not super smart, and so we. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be that's gonna be a reoccurring theme. Oh yeah, it's gonna this come up a lot com- this. conversation. But uh, we built one yep. and just really on a whim. We got the building. I don't know if you know uh, Siggy that was over there that had that spot over there, and she over in Belmont, and she was she did a beautiful job of finishing out her building, 
she was only open for I think seven months and went out of business. She had just the wrong concept in that neighborhood at the time. Just the timing wasn't right, and so I read on Instagram that she was closing that day, and I went and met her and uh, formed a relationship with her. And and so I was like, I'll buy everything in here and take it. I didn't even know what we were going to do with that. It's like the neighborhood. It kind of reminded me of 15 years ago in Noda type of thing. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know what we were going to do with it. We literally stood outside the front door one afternoon and said, hey neighbors walking by what do you want this place to be and it was like burgers and pizza and we were like well benny's this big slice thing is down the street we're not going to go compete with that yeah and we've always kind of wanted to do a burger place so that was the extensive research that we did in order to come up with that i like that a lot i i wonder if that's why i like you <laughs> like because, and I'll, so that speaks to kind of like the kind of the kind of guy that you are like you, you are a very like get shit done kind of focused driven person right mm-hmm. you, you don't from what I gather from knowing you is that you don't really let a whole lot of opportunities go without kind of poking at them a little bit and examining them and see if there's something there. Yeah, I, I, I think that's fair to say. I mean, I, I wish there was a little bit more discipline to my thought process sometimes. I think that, you know, I, I'm learning <laughs> because the flip side of that is we were like, this thing's killing it. It's cool. It does well. And it's pandemic food. You know, we opened. Yeah. We were open six months before the pandemic, and then sales went up because people were ordering to-go food and yeah. stuff. You and know? burgers made people feel good. Sure. It's They're comfort like, it's food. Comfort. It's all yeah. those nostalgic pieces of that of that pizza and wings and burgers yeah. were all doing great at that time. Mm-hmm. So, and then we were like, well, let's do another one. And there's, you know, there are, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of closures and things that are happening within the landscape. Let's see if we can get a deal on a piece of real estate and open one. Well, we had negotiated two because one's always going to fall through, right? Yeah. And they did. Well, you, you, usually, <laughs> right. except for now. And then we got to the finish line. We yeah. were like, damn it. Well, yeah, we got now two, we of, these two of these things. I got to staff them. Yeah, I got to train them. And that's just, yeah. that's a big burden on any, we're a small team. Yeah. You know, we're just a little group. And mm-hmm. so uh, that was stressful. And that was, I put uh, our team through too much yeah. in that uh, venture to try to launch two locations at the same time. Even though you think it's burger place, how hard could it be? It's a small thing. It takes the same amount of work as opening a, a 200 seat restaurant as it does to open a, you know, a 20 seat. You still have to yeah. go through all the steps Yep. in order to get it right. I'm going to write that note down for, for our team. <laughs> Cause we're talking about, cause I, you know, we can relate to that. I think yeah. um, I certainly do. You know, we, we just did the same thing. I mean, we opened three restaurants since the pandemic started. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. You want to talk about that? Not really. I'm still, I haven't, I haven't unpacked it all yet. I'm still going to therapy about it. <laughs> this is my therapy for it right here. It. This is yeah. what we're doing right yeah. now. Um, Please get comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I, I relate to that. Like that's, it's hard. And our teams felt it. Yeah. I, I feel like your team is a very important piece of your puzzle. Sure. I know it is for us. You know, we just did a whole episode about our teams and, and mm-hmm. how we would be completely destroyed without them. And we would be down to one restaurant. Sure. It'd be me and Pat running it, you know, and that would be that. Um, but our teams really have helped us sustain uh, the vision and what we've been trying to do. How true is that for your team? And then what is kind of your your current thought process about your team? Like, I know that that's an important part of your yeah. your model. Well, I think that I... I decided a long time ago, just from my personality, that I was not, you know, if you want to put it into a band analogy, I, I was not a singer-songwriter or a solo artist. I was going to be, you know, I'll be a great rhythm guitar player in a kick-ass band. You're going to be band. a Beatle, man. Yeah. You know, I, just, I, I didn't have it in me to be, I, I didn't have to be 
out in front and I didn't I didn't really have a desire to go it alone because I don't think that I'm uh, I don't think I've never thought that I have all the answers myself and so because that collaborative effort you know I have my operating partner Andrew Chapman Chappie Chap you know I found that we collaborate really really well you know so I learned a long time ago that I could go into an uh, into an environment and whatever I thought was going to be the best idea was not the best idea by the time we got out of there and I find a ton of value in that. So I've tried to start to surround myself with people that are smarter than me, are better than what they do than I do. And so, you know, we've got a director of ops and he's just a, you know, he's a relentless, disciplined, sort of methodical, non-animated guy that they could drive you crazy. But he, you know, we always come out with better decisions with that sort of analytical mindset in that thing. So I love the banter and we're a very collaborative group because the fact that, you know, I think we're pretty convinced. Sometimes it's, you know, you build this mentality in this culture and then sometimes you just want to go, you know, fuck it, we're doing it this way and we got to get it done tomorrow. But you can't because you just break down all the stuff that you just built up over the last six months. Have, so. you, have you ever done that? Have you ever just pulled I've the wanted to, and just man. said, you know what, fuck it, I'm making a call and we're doing it. You know what I, you know what <laughs> I have done lately? And I'm sorry, whoever's listening to this, but I've dipped out. I've just... Yeah. clicked out of the yeah. meeting I'm fucking gone because I'm going to say something that I just don't want to yeah. say yeah. that I do really want to say yeah, yeah, actually yeah. but, yeah. I, but, but you're it refraining. would be harmful and hurtful so uh, so yeah but I think that we always I think I believe that we always end up in a better place so I yeah. yeah I don't I'm not spearheading an organization I'm building a team and Chapman and I are building a team that uh, that we can collaborate with and just make great decisions we don't have to be and that was one thing I learned recently is Stop putting yourself in the middle of every single decision that's made. It's not, you know, it's yeah. not, you know, you're holding up the freaking yeah, the creative train or whatever. process yeah. because you feel like you have to be at the center of that conversation and just yeah, get you out. Don't, yeah. yeah. Dip that's, out, that, let them come up with it, and then run it by you and have a good approval process and a good, you know, flow of information. But that's been a recent lesson for me, you yeah. know. We were talking a little bit before um, before we started about we were talking about the ego mm-hmm. train for mm-hmm. for restaurateurs and yeah. chefs and our industry, right? And like, um, yeah, I, I think I think all of us maybe suffered from it when we were younger and getting into it. Is that you know it's it's all about you and what you're gonna do and and your inspiration and your story and all that stuff. And you know, I know I know that I felt that way when I was a young cook and coming up through New York and stuff. I don't feel that way at all now. Complete like complete evolution or change or flip or whatever. Right. Um, where, where do you stand on, on the whole ego as it applies to hospitality and, and the restaurant business and then growing your business? Ego is great. I think if you have, if you have a one-off shop, right? If you're the chef owner or you're the, you know, the sommelier or whatever, that's great to, to build a concept around a signature like that. Um, but as a group or as a, you know, um, a collective, I don't know that that works so much. Yeah, I I think for some reason, and I don't know exactly why, but I've always been drawn to the more humble person out there that would inspire me. I've always been, I guess, leery of of uh, too much charisma. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's the it's the <laughs> yeah, it's it's the uh, it's the guy running the mega church that you got to keep your eye on, you yeah. know, kind of thing. That I've always had that mentality uh, for me. So I've never really, I've never been a big believer that the ego gets you there. I felt like it was a, you know, you know, that's why everybody loves Anthony Bourdain because he'll make fun of himself way before he'll make fun of anybody else. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. And so, so I've always been drawn to that sort of a, a path. So I'd never, 
I've never felt like I've had to prove anything. I am, I did learn a long time ago to assess my own performance and to not be very particularly happy with it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that can also be a bit of a crutch. Sometimes you just got to be able to give yourself a pat on the back and say, sure, you know, good job. But what, what is that process like? Like, what is that self-awareness process or that self-evaluation process? Like, how do you implement that? Like, what does that look like? To me, it was a very pragmatic approach at the beginning of just how, how, would, how did I do today? Mm-hmm. Did I accomplish what I wanted to accomplish today? Did I, was I a good leader and a friend and, and husband and father and, you know, and just kind of analyze that piece down. And some days you go, you know, I did a pretty good, you know, today was a good day. And some days you're like, God, I fucked this one up bad, mm-hmm. you know? And then, you know, then you set your goal on the next morning and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do better today. I'm going to, I'm going to tackle that. And, you know, so I think that that, always is you know i get finished and sometimes it turns into a little bit of doubt too you know like sure you know you know you can paralyze yourself with that yep. if you want to but if you come from the mindset and i always tell my team this you know if you come from the mindset of doing the best you can and you come from a pure space it doesn't matter what the outcome was right you know you yeah. intended and you tried your best and you intended to and you didn't you weren't malicious and you just truly from a hospitality standpoint just wanted to make people happy mm-hmm. and you royally screwed up that's beautiful. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. You know? Th- those mistakes, they're not as crucial, right, as malicious right. kind of. They're easy to clean up. Yeah. It's like if, if you're coming from a pure space, then the mistakes are, 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 are you know, they're, they're mitigated by the hospitality or the, mm-hmm. the, the intention behind the action. Yeah. You know, I, t- I agree with that 100%. We have, you know, culture talking points just like you guys do mm-hmm. too. Um, which I, you know, you guys kind of wear yours out on your sleeve. And I think that's really awesome. I really like that, you know, but we have, you know, the couple of the ones for us are, we have one called the no asshole rule, mm-hmm. you know, and another one is, I char- probably would have got thrown out of that club early on. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, and the other and, one is character over talent. Yeah. You know, you, mm-hmm. we love talent in this yeah. industry. We, we've starved for it, but we've way too many times we have sacrificed a culture of a place for the sake of talent, you yeah. know? And that's one that we hold ourselves to and our team holds us to. Recently, we had we kept somebody for too long that was had all the talent in the world. But they did more damage than we realized. And our team was like, you're not living by your own freaking culture pieces here. Yeah, that's And they a, held us accountable for it. And it was that's beautiful. That's great. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's a beautiful situation, you know. That That's interesting. You know, when you said that, <clears throat> it reminded me, like, I think I was totally guilty of that as as a young chef because you were yeah but you were taught to, that that was how the business worked too right well know? and i was also i came up as talent yeah. like i i have talent i was always like aspiring to be a chef yeah. and do this and that so so i was valued for that sure and when i became a leader and a chef right in my own restaurants and kitchens i was always looking for talent mm-hmm. and the and i think the reason for that was because not because that was my experience but because i wasn't a very good leader I didn't know that I could teach people to do what I do. Right. Like what I do isn't magic. I work really hard at it. Sure. You know, and I've worked for really great mentors and I've been committed to it. So I can, but at that time I didn't realize that I could teach that to somebody else if I have the right person. But our industry didn't realize how fucked up it was. True. You know? Yeah. And so we didn't really, we didn't get it thrown in our face of really what a, 
pretty shitty place it is to work right. until the pandemic. Yep, totally. You know? And it was just like, here's your spotlight, <laughs> yeah. hospitality industry. Yeah, and here's so what are we going to do about you, it? Yeah, what are you going to do about it now? So we went, okay, we got to talk about that yeah. because that's like our mission right now, right? We're, right. We are on that. The yeah. Fifth Street Group is on that bandwagon of like, we are going to, we have an opportunity here mm-hmm. to reset some stuff. What, what's going to be our contribution? But before we get into that, I want to ask you, I want to go back to what you're talking about, um, about that self-evaluation, because mm-hmm. I think that's really important for people to learn. Yeah. And I want to know from you, how have you always been able to be like super honest with yourself about that stuff? When no. you look at like your performance or your day or your thoughts or whatever, were you always able to be like straight up with yourself or did you ever suffer from like that, you know, smoke yeah, and mirrors I, thing? Look, I was a ski bum and a, and a pothead and everything else in Colorado for seven years. I didn't give a shit about anything. I was just bartending, making mad cash and skiing every day. And so I had zero self-awareness or evaluation or anything like that. So when everybody else was going to school and cutting their teeth and you were you know, yeah. sweating your nuts off in this kitchen somewhere, yeah. I was just absolutely living the life. Yeah. So there was That's nothing funny. to question. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Everything's going swimmingly well. Yeah. Until it wasn't. Right. And so, oh, that's funny. <laughs> um, you know, and I think, I think there was just a moment and, you know, honestly, you know, 23, 24, 25, where I was just like, oh, I'm actually an asshole. Like I'm <laughs> not a good person. I'm not doing anything for myself or anybody else. I'm completely yeah. selfish and, you know, all these kind of things. And I think that that was sort of a, let's, let's make something of this. You've got some good skills. You're a good person. You know, you've got a good heart. You know, let's, let's, uh, let's figure something out. So I think that that's honestly where it started and and some and you know it sounds like it's you know always a progressive thing it's not yeah. you know it's it's you know sometimes you're just like God, i just took my eye completely off that whole scenario for a month i didn't mm-hmm. realize what i was missing there yeah you know so but i think that that constant never an improvement mentality of just you know it just leave it a little bit better than you found it every single day yeah yourself your restaurant your business your love life whatever it is you know, that really, I think that that little incremental piece is, um, I've learned to live that that is truly uh, how I try to do everything. When did you start feeling that way? Like, like, like when, when, when did that, that, that rea- reality for you yeah, really sink in? it increased over time. It yeah. probably, you know, that first few times that someone, you know, was brutally honest with you and you had no <laughs> idea. Yeah. Like you didn't see it yeah. coming. Uh-huh. And someone pointed, <laughs> and then you were like, when was I this? And they give you like five scenarios. You're yeah. like, Oh shit. Damn. You're like, my perspective is skewed. Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> that's yeah. I don't want to portray that person either. Like, I don't like who you think I am. Right. Right. Yeah. And so, um, I think that that, you know, just getting some rough feedback in your, again, back in your twenties and early part of your career, you think you're killing it and you're not. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I think that those first, you know, hardcore managers and, whatnot that you had that I had in my career were just like, okay, this is a bit of a mind shift. And then when you had somebody that you worked for that didn't think that way at all, you felt like it was really missing. Yeah. You know, when someone was just nothing but your cheerleader, it, it's, it's, it's kind of leaves you a little empty. Honestly. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'd rather go away from a conversation, scratching my head, thinking what I did. Yeah. And I've taken that into always into my leadership skills and not thinking you thinking, what an asshole I am, or I'm just, you know, clueless and I'm not paying attention. Right. You know? Yeah. So that feedback, I think to me is, is a gift. Yeah. You know? 
We were getting into the whole self um, self awareness thing, and then you know trying to improve. And you and you mentioned inspiration, and it and it kind of stuck in my head. And I was like, I wonder what the inspiration is for you. Like, what is it about hospitality? I'm gonna read you something. Hit. I brought this because because I, I figured this we'd be talking about this. But you know, this is always there is something innate about people in our industry that are good in this industry that just have the innate desire to take care of others. Right. Like yep. that's just in us. Mm-hmm. You know, we just want to please people. We yep. just want to make people happy. And it's not a vulnerability or a weakness, but it's just a, you know, that's, that's to it's me a gene. a trait. Yeah. I think it's this. a gene that we have. Right. I don't know if they've identified it yet. So there's an oyster <laughs> guy named Rowan Jacobson and he's written a few books. He's like the king of oyster knowledge. He's visited all the farms. He's put a few books together. He's wrote the book called the essential oyster. Okay. And this is a quote that he wrote in that book that I just think is, I, I think sums it up. Uh, for us, it says we eagerly jump into an anonymous communal energy of multiple sensory satisfactions, the need to belong in a central place of subliminal celebration. All we want is to watch others being happy. It makes us happy. Totally. And to me, that's, that's like your, that's, that's your inspiration. Why I'm in the rest. That's yeah. that's the epitome of the restaurant, right? Yeah, totally. You can make a great meal and sit at home alone, and it doesn't mean much. Yeah. You can have a you know, a 80% great meal in a great environment with happy people and cheersing and, and just in watching other people be communal and celebratory. And that to me is everything. That's, that's my, that's what inspires me. That's why I like, that's why I like what I do. That's awesome. I totally agree. I mean, I, I honestly think that there's a, like, there's a gene that has not been identified yet somewhere in the, in the chromosomal (laughs) connectivity. Um, that is restaurant people, right? It's hospitality people. Mm-hmm. And, and, that's, and that speaks exactly to that, you know, that desire to please others, to make people feel comfortable, yep. um, to somehow enrich their experience in a way. And to gather, right? Yeah. To mm-hmm. gather communally. Yeah. And, and that's why our restaurants, you know, that's why, yeah. you know, your, your five church downstairs is, is you know. Church and Union now. Church and Union. Thank you. Yep. Um, but, you know, you've you've got sort of this theater feel in there. You've got these yeah. different levels, and it kind of it's open, and the bar area is open. You've got these big, long friendship tables that people have to sit beside each other. Like, the, all those things all feed into this natural desire to just want to be together. Yeah, 100%. Do you think that the community is suffering for that through this pandemic thing? Sure. I, I think, I mean... I'm no doctor, as you know, Jamie, but uh, <laughs> I, I think we have a massive uh, mental health issue yeah. from this whole pandemic and isolating and staying at home and not doing those things. I mean, we're just such a we're such a um, needy species for yeah. others, yeah. right? And yeah. so when you everybody gets deprived of that, and whether you know it's forced. It's yeah. it was not like, yeah. hey, I'm taking a sabbatical. Don't fucking talk right. to me. I want to sit in the woods because it was my choice. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Yeah connect with nature or whatever. Yeah. I think, I think the forced, you know, the forced solitude that everybody kind of suffered from, it has some, is going to have some lasting effects, right? you know? And I think, you know, this is a good segue to talk about um, how that has affected the hospitality industry um, because things have changed. I mean, it's a totally different feel out there in the restaurants, you know, um, in the dining rooms than it was before, in my opinion. You know, I've talked a little bit about the reviews and people's entitlement mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I think there is a bit of that out there. Right. Um, but I'm, I don't want to be negative about it. I think, you know, 
that that is a truth of what's happening. You know, people there are people that are entitled to leave shitty reviews or take it out on their servers or or restaurant owners because, you know, they can't get what they want. Right. But despite you, the fact that we can't get what they want. Right? But I think it's a I I, I believe it's a it's the status of the general public, mm-hmm. you know? Because, you know, a lot of things suck that didn't used to suck. Right. Yeah. And so your mood when you walk into a restaurant or a bar or whatever, a grocery store, is different than it used to be because you had to mask up. You had yeah. to do this. You had to do that. You couldn't find anything. The prices are higher. You didn't get a raise at work. You know, you've got all these things. They don't things. have your brand. They don't have. Right. Yeah. They used to have this, you know, for days, and now we can't find it, you know. So mm-hmm. you've got this perpetual, and that sounds petty, but you have this perpetual sort of um, little tiny pieces that come at you all day long right. that you didn't have to, used to have to deal with. And so that's the mental health piece, right? Right. And so everybody, all given equal, who that person that walked into your restaurant in 2019, who knew, you know, that would be a fantastic year, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> the, the last great year, yeah. 2019. We had no idea we should have yeah. celebrated. I know, more. right? Uh, but that person that walked in and that same person that walked in in 2021, yeah. they got a different weight on their shoulder, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. And so my message to the, the team is always, you know, like we got to work that much harder to let them alleviate all the shit that they had to carry for the last three days because of all the factors that we've had to learn to live with now and be able to provide that. However, that being said, we also have a much clearer line of what we're, what we're willing to deal with. Okay. That if that, um, you know, I feel like, and it just happened recently where someone just was, you know, verbally abused in a, in a restaurant. And so what we've worked really hard at is if someone decides to cross the realm of social, normal social behavior, mm-hmm. we're done here. The transaction is done. We came in to do a business transaction. You came in to eat. I came in to serve you. You decided to shit all over that. And so we're, we're ending this relationship immediately. How do you do that? What's your, what's your, what's your I mean, obviously, you know, it's they're the taking. manager take, on duty, right? It's yeah, the take, it takes some. You've got to protect the staff and protect the team. And, and I'd be able to have awareness on your shift. Yeah. Of, of, of where your problem areas are mm-hmm. and the person's root at the, at the host stand is, is not going to suddenly turn into an angel at the table. Mm-hmm. Right. And so and being able to monitor that. But yeah. they have to know where that line is. And we just use that same verbiage. It's, yeah. you know, the, the norms of social behavior. Yeah. Right. You cross that line. If you acted like this at a bank, you'd have handcuffs on you. Right. So you can't act so, like that here. So at that stage, will a manager, you know, invite somebody to leave? Do you throw yep. them the fuck out? Yeah. Like sometimes I want to throw people the fuck out. So yeah, like, get I mean, out of here. Yeah. But you never do that. You right. say, hey, you know what? If we can't make you happy or you're not going to enjoy it here, you know? Yeah. And invite uh, you to- Chapman, my, my business partner, has a great line. He's like, <laughs> uh, no matter what we've tried, we haven't been able to make you happy. And we're going to stop trying right now. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Quote, chap. <laughs> yeah, right. Mic drop, chap. Yeah, but that's, uh, you know, yeah. and that basically says it's time for you to go. Yep. We're done here. Yep. And so I feel like that empowers people to be able to focus on the positive and focus on the people that do want to have a great time that are acting norm and are willing to follow just the basic civility rules of the day, you know, yeah. then that's fine. There are a ton of people um, that are grateful to be out. I mean, we're getting that too. I mean, like, you know, there's both sides of it, right? Like that kind of annoying person that's unhappy and miserable and taking it out. There, that is elevated. There's more of that, or at least it's a little, it seems more pronounced now. But it seems like the other part of the, the, um, the guest base 
the people that would normally be grateful and enjoy a nice meal are extra grateful. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're like, you could tell yeah. that you're fulfilling something Made for them. Day. Yeah, they're like, yeah. thank you so much for being open. Yeah. You know, I'll take whatever I can get. Yeah. You know, it's going to be great. And you that's know? the fuel that, that, that of why the, of why you do it. You know, Has your strategy changed at all on the hospitality side of things? Understanding, like knowing that people are have gone through some shit, right? Mm-hmm. And they're gonna, there's going to be a little different playing field out there. Have you guys implemented any sort of strategy in hospitality to, to deal with that? Or are you just doing the best you can kind of thing? Yeah, I think that, um, I don't know if we've really changed strategies as much as we have. You know, we've learned on having a little bit more discipline in our game, I think. Better training, um, better mentorship, some leadership skills, you know, teaching those kind of things. So, you know, I, I think that as we grow and, and Chappie and I don't have the same, you know, side-by-side time with people that we used to have because there was, you know, one or two restaurants. And so we were able to really kind of, you know, just meander through getting someone aligned to kind of how we think about the industry and the business. And so we don't have that ability anymore. And so we've had to introduce type of tools to be able to, and training tools and, you know, just try to get some more discipline in that piece so that, that we're all kind of talking the same language. And the bigger we get, the more units we have, the harder that is. Right. 100%. Yeah. yeah I'm, uh, we're, I think we're, I mean, I'm seeing some of that in our own model now. Mm-hmm. Like I'm starting to like, I think I had the same approach similar to what you just described where I just kind of would, uh, you know, after we have the two restaurants, I'd flow in and out, yeah, you know, side by side time. You yeah. guys are going to get it. Yeah. Right? A few hours yeah. a day with these guys. I'm going to go over here, work with okay. this guy, but it's great. Yeah. Now it's like, I don't even, I can't, I don't know where I'm supposed to be tomorrow <laughs> or like later today. <laughs> I got no idea. It's tough. Do you have like, do you have tools that you use to, um, to help with that organization or, or the training? Like what, what are some of these tools that you yeah, have? So what we did was I think, and I heard you talk about, um, you know, you were reassessing everything at once the pandemic, once we all had to close everything we had mm-hmm. uh, and, and assessing. And so we just methodically went through every process that we do and who we do business with was another big one. Mm-hmm. We were doing business with a few people that we didn't really want to do business with, but we felt like we had to. That ended yeah. at the pandemic. Mm-hmm. We were done. And so we'll figure out another way, but we're only going to do business with people that we want to do business. With. I'm only going to take money out of my business checking account and send it over to your business checking account if I'm excited about that relationship. Yeah. So we've tried to kind of take that approach. And then the other things we did was we went to like, uh, instead of texting an email, I went to Slack and it's awesome. It's a great I don't even know what that is. It's a, it's basically a texting platform type thing. Like a WhatsApp type thing. Yeah. But it has channels and stuff and people can schedule and things and you can see everything or nothing. It's just a great, and it's all done from the phone. Okay. So, um, and that really helped our, our communication level as a team. And the, the chefs could talk to each other and the ace managers could talk to each other and, and this and that and the other thing. And um, Are they able to intercommunicate on this too? Like mm-hmm. can you have like the entire group? Like Everybody, the yeah, there's an, all, there's an then, all way, they're in channels. Okay, so and you so can there's break an all it way up channel. however. There's a, yeah. there's your a, executive levels exactly. to your operation levels. Yep. To, yep. That's and, interesting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And then... Um, we did that. We went to Seven Shifts, which is a great platform for yeah. for uh, hourly to be able to talk to, communicate, get their schedules on their phone and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. The other thing that we did, what I was really excited about, was we went to a product called Trainual. And it's uh, basically, you know, how everybody's already staring at their phone anyways. Yeah. And so we went to all, all of our training platforms are all on an app uh, called Trainual. 
And awesome. they're all, there's, there's testing, there's validation, there's attendance. We roll out the fish feature at, at sea level tomorrow and it's on training. Well, so you can see it from yeah. home before you come into work. It's got a like picture, a picture. A video, we can do the a cooking uh, thing of it if we want to. Cool. Tasting notes of a new wine, all that kind of stuff. So it's really, it's really uh, a great tool yeah. um, to be able to kind of get that. You know that done. So that was some of the things that we did for efficiency. I'm gonna write that one down. Yes, <laughs> put uh, that trainual. Yeah, trainual. Got yeah. it. Trainual. Send uh, <laughs> referral checks to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Paul at. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. That's cool. I you know I've been thinking about because that's one of the things I've, I was thinking about as we were moving into reopening, and then, you know, opening the restaurants we did during the pandemic. It's a like it's a lot. We mm-hmm. already covered that. Like it's it's an immense amount of energy like mental capacity, like that I don't have a ton of anyways. Like yeah. it's like, it's really draining. And I, I was thinking about doing some, we talked about like the sailing channels, like watching the sailing YouTube yeah, channels. Yeah, and that's yeah. kind of what sparked, like maybe I should do some sort of like tr- video training thing, yeah. uh, series where we're, you know, we're covering techniques. You know, this yeah. is how we, this is how we do, you know, we clean oysters and mm-hmm. shuck oysters. This is the oyster video. This is our, you know, our meat, cooking video and these right. are the three different techniques that we use for doing that and that's how you do it and doing something like that so that might be a good kind of way it to... is what we and so particularly at ace we found that the the video uh teaching technique is and we've kind of even gotten more into that recently is a great way to be like this is exactly how you cook the burger yeah this is exactly how you put the pickles on it and if you and ever forget you it's just right there you just boop yeah you just oh, hit it again there's three pickles right oh there's three every time five. Oh, five. Yeah. Oh, sorry that's why your burgers are so good it's the five pickles instead of the three I'm write that down yeah, yeah, yeah. uh the last thing you need is uh is cooking tips from paul manley but, yeah um you know learning how different people learn yeah has been pretty key and just you know i was over fighting the phone you know, just instead of fighting the phone, okay, just put use it. it. Use it for. And I told my kids this a thousand times; they would hate when they hear it. But use it for good instead of evil. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I wonder. I'm going to bring that up to Patrick and see if we can ever just let the phone go. I don't know that we can. It's still like I walk into the. Ra- it happened to me just the other day. I was yeah. in from. I came in from Charlotte and came into Church and Union, and um, I, I I walk in with my fiance unannounced mm-hmm. right because i love just to like pop yeah, in yeah, and be like yep, surprise we're sitting down at a table you know dressed for dinner and uh you know the man the manager is nowhere to be found the hostess is not at the stand oh. so i walk in and i you know stand there oh. looking around it's going I'm, it's it's descending it's just rapidly. going yeah it's just going and it, you know <laughs> tailspin at this yeah point. <laughs> totally at that point and then um 10 you, seconds in and they're doomed and, and you know we have that you know 50 foot long giant bar mm-hmm. right with like four bartenders back there all glued to their oh. phone like just like smashing their phones right like just updating every app and i just like i, I fucking lost it yeah. i was like i i grabbed my girl i was like we're out of here i was like we're leaving right now i was like if i stay in here i'm gonna lose it like <laughs> and that yeah was like, well and, and again we ha- you still have to we still have to manage that but yep. you know we're like at lineup let's just put everybody's phone they're already staring at their phones but yeah you can't really check instagram just, and do training at the same yeah, time. Sh- so. Please be staring at your training app and not your Facebook. Please. Right. But that's, you know, but the yeah. flip side of that is, you know, everybody was going to these and it makes sense to take orders at the table with right. a pad. Uh-huh. But I just hate that experience. Yeah. You know? You're not doing that, are you? We're not. Okay. Yeah, yeah we don't that's... digitally do that because I just, I can't come to terms, 
you know, with that experience. I don't I'm feel with you like on it's, that. Uh, it becomes robotic. the ones that are on their phone. Yeah. Like the, you could do toast on your phone. You can have the person. I'm like, oh, I can't do it. Yeah. Just send R2-D2 over there. Like if you're going to get to that, like <laughs> then we don't need servers. Right. Like we don't need servers if, we, if we're doing that anymore. I'm with you on that. We, we talked about it. We're, we've been, we, we, our restaurants are big. You yeah. know, our restaurants are big. They're not efficient <laughs> models, you know, right. like it takes a lot of effort to run them. And, and we were like, oh, you know, if we do these pads and stuff and we just, I think we're with you on that. Yeah. It takes some of the, the romantic part of hospitality out of it. Well, we um, don't like, we, I don't have a, a conventional host stand in, in the restaurants. We don't design them that way. And it's a piece of furniture on the side. And the whole idea of it is, is for um, there not to be a barrier between the greeter and the guest that mm-hmm. walks in. And so when you walk in, you're walking into my home. You, there's no barrier, mm-hmm. you know, and you know how you can take a, a an 18 inch host stand and fit five hosts behind it, you know, which drives <laughs> yeah. me insane when I see that. So it's just like, <laughs> put it as a piece of furniture, you physically can't get behind this thing. Yeah. And then you have to be vulnerable. You have to be out front of people. And yeah. then that's more welcoming. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that you start the, the experience off with hospitality, right? right? They walk into this like welcoming, warm, vulnerable space. That's that's awesome. Yeah. I like that. I wanted to ask you something because I think we have similar backgrounds. Okay. Uh, we both grew up in New England. You're in Massachusetts. I'm yep. in Connecticut. Yep. Uh, we we both could lament probably pretty solidly about our upbringings and, and kind of the running from mm-hmm. instead of to, right? Uh-huh. Which is what I did two <laughs> oh, weeks yeah. after I graduated high school. Oh, yeah. I really, all I wanted was to ski and get the fuck out of Connecticut were the two things, my, my only things I had in my head. And so, you know, and so I didn't really understand hospitality. I didn't really understand a dining. I didn't understand that communal thing at all, you mm-hmm. know, and I think I had my first like white tablecloth um, proper service when I was probably 19 or 20 years old at a place called the Ranch in Keystone, Colorado. And that was the first time I was like, oh, this is really a thing. Like there's, you know, this is there's something to this. Yeah, there's, there's <laughs> something to that. What was your, what's your moment of when you realize like this is actually a, an experience, like, a, you know, not even that you want to be part of it, but just yeah. like understanding that part. Mine came super late. So my connection with hospitality and the food scene was that I realized at a fairly early age, like when, as a teen, I started in restaurants and um, doing dishes and all that kind of shit and prep cooking. A chef that I had recognized that I had some natural talent for cooking. Mm -hmm. Like I was, I was, I had the constitution to, to be able to, to be a good cook, like to deal with the shit in in a restaurant and kind of embrace it. Hard work. Yeah. And just like put my head down and like, like a challenge kind of thing. Um, So that's what kind of got me into cooking. Um, It was something I was kind of good at. I was learning it. I was getting good at it, but that, Connection came. I was already in culinary school. I was mm-hmm. doing my internship in San Francisco with Michael Mina mm-hmm. at a, at Aqua, and wow. I was grinding out in his kitchen. I was in as I was in the garmage, like in the pantry, cold side, just getting my ass kicked sure. every day. I mean, that place was brutal. Like yeah. 450, 500 covers a day for dinner service, yeah. four stars. Like I just couldn't even believe sure. that we were able to execute at that level. I was yeah. just like, it was also like huge brigade of people. I mean, tons of cooks in there. But part of my internship with him was that a, I had to do a tasting menu for him, right? Like a little five course, like not a huge thing, but five courses, all your own shit. You do it all yourself. Yeah. Cool. And you present it to him and he was going to critique it. And anybody who knows Michael Mina, like he's no fucking joke. Like he's straight up, like he'll rip the soul right out of you, like shit on it and then put it back in. (laughs) Right. And you'll be better for it. Right. He's just very, he's very real. 
huh. with people. Um, and so that was part of it. And the other part of it was that we had to come in and, and dine as a guest. Right. And so I did that um, towards the end of my internship with him or externship. And um, I was completely blown away. Like I knew what we were doing was like top notch. Like we're the fucking baddest crew in right. San Francisco. Like, look at us go. We cook more foie gras than any restaurant in the country, whatever the hell we were, you know, cheersing about. But when I sat down in the, in the dining room, it was treated like legit, like a guest, like yeah. not like, Hey, you're, you're the guy that works, whatever right. the level of attention and care. Right. Like I was just like, Holy shit. Yeah, they like, introduced you to the emotional aspect. Of yeah, the and it yeah. and it just it like reached out and slapped me with it, and I was like, wow, this is a big because I had never had an experience in a restaurant where I was like touched that way. Sure, you know, it was more yeah. like a for me as a cook, it was like fuel. Yep. I need food to cook harder, yep. go faster, you know. Um, and that was the first time that I was really touched by an experience. Yeah. I was like, okay, and it opened my eyes. Yeah, for real. And that's what we're after, right? I mean, yeah. that's what that's why I love that story because that's. Ultimately, you get that one, that first time, and, and that's the drug. Like, that's mm-hmm. the, oh, this is what this is about. And you're searching for that all the time. Totally. And so, you know, and you know those handful of experiences that you've had where you wake up the next morning and go, God. Yeah, that was good. good. Yeah. You know, that was I a usually, great meal. That was, that server was just, you know, that's ex, the whole experience was just, you yeah. know. You know, and it's funny. I can, I can sense it when it starts to happen. Right. Like, mm-hmm. like I get, like, I'll go into a place and like now I just, what does expectation play in that though? Right. So, you know? well, so I try not to have too much expectation right. being in the business sure. and a chef too. Like I try not to like build an experience before I get there. I try to go in as open-minded as I can and it's hard because yeah. we critique everything, but I think I'm pretty fair, but I can tell when it's going to be one of those like really excellent, like I'll sit down and things feel right. You know what I mean? Like the room feels right. The lighting's right. Mm -hmm. You know, my girl's looking the way she looks, you know, and the server just like hits it, like just from the intro. And you're like, oh, this is going to be one of those. Like, I hope the food doesn't fuck it up. Right. Right. You're like, this is going to be one of those nights. Um, And I love that. Yeah. You know, I think it's anticipation and not expectation. Oh, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I'm looking forward to it. Right. um, But trying not to get too too many expectations for it. What was yours? Well, oh, so you said it was the... Well, yeah, that was the first time that I had realized that that was a thing. And then I think, you know, and now I was, I was bartending nightclubs and stuff, you know, in, in uh, Breckenridge. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, you know, you're just, you know, you're slinging drinks and you're five deep and you're just, you know, <laughs> hey, just yelling at people. And yeah. Just, yeah, it just, you know, and you don't really, the, the experience thing was not part of the equation. Mm-mm. It didn't really care because yeah. the doors were full. And It's like, how many cocktails can I make in a minute? Right. Like, I need to make as many as I can in a minute. Right. <laughs> yeah. And how many, how wasted can I get by the time that I have to count the till at the end of the yeah. night? So, but I think that, so I was, you know, clouded by whatever, you know, just being a Youth, bum. Yeah. Being, being young. Yeah, just being young. Um, but I think the whole thing kind of started coming together. And one of the great experiences that I've had was I worked for a guy in Charleston. And um, I had come up, my career had come up really through the corporate world. Once I decided to get serious about the business, um, I worked, one of my biggest um, employers was Brinker International. And at the time, they owned um, Chili's and On the Border and Macaroni Grill and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And this yeah. is in the 90s when, you know, when chains were king. And um, so I learned a lot in that whole time. And I learned like the, you know, the systematic approach to just this is how you do it every single day and everything. There's no gray area. Right. It's just, you know, you set the lights to here, 
you boil the water to here, and this is how you run the restaurant. And then I ended up, I uh, was the uh, director of ops for a company out of Charleston, and he was a very creative owner, and he was just creating concepts and doing different stuff. And and um, and he really taught me the five seconds, you know, the, the hand on the door. What are you grabbing? Are you grabbing just some run-of-the-mill bullshit door handle, or are you grabbing something? Like, Feels was somebody like, intentional yeah. with everything? Yeah. The, the way that the light hit that t- that thing, the way that the music is not just loud or soft, but how it feels yeah. and, and where that's coming from, and and what you're what are you smelling, what are you hearing, what mm-hmm. are you feeling, what's the temperature, what's you know all those kind of things, and so all the touches and things, you know, and that lesson to me was just it just opened up a whole world for me. Yeah, you know, it was him, and I was also I also worked for Al Copeland down in, in uh, New Orleans. Yeah, who was a crazy man, <laughs> um, but he was very theatrical. Yeah, like his. You know, when he was building something of substance, he was building this, you know, stage thing. And so, and that was just, you know, it was cool to just understand like, oh, there's a whole nother element to this thing besides just a systematic approach to it, you know? Totally. And that opened a door for me. Um, Yeah. You can go down that rabbit hole and like. It was great. Yeah. You you could spend days and months just like thinking about the details of an experience. Yeah. And my first project in that of really taking that lead was Pearl's Oyster Bar in, mm-hmm. on East Bay in, yeah. in Charleston. And that was a, hey, this is what I want. I want to, I want to, this was, I don't know, 15, 16 years ago, uh, maybe longer. And it was, um, hey, this is, I want a Southeast Oyster Bar. And at the time, there really wasn't like a defined Charleston Oyster Bar. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was the, the you had like the really high end stuff like Hanks and whatnot down mm-hmm. there, but there wasn't really this fine thing. So we went to New York, we went to Boston and Maine and Seattle and New Orleans, and we just like let's gather all these things of what people do and then try to do that something. You know, what is a what is a Charleston Oyster Bar really? Mm-hmm. And that's where the idea came from. We put the Oyster Bar at the front. When you walk in, the first thing you see is the shucker that's there and the small bar and the tiny place and the intimate setting and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it was just a fun project. And that was when I kind of fell in love with the process of creating was, uh, was that project. So what, how, why seafood? Like that seems to be something that you're super into. I mean, we got to talk about sea level, the oyster, yeah. the oyster farm. So I, I think um, that what that it was, it was uh, creating pearls. Yeah, I didn't know. Pearl, pearls I, I knew what? nothing about oysters. I knew I liked them, but I yeah. didn't know anything about how they're grown or farmed or anything or yeah. wabars or all that stuff. And so I learned all that in order to do that um, restaurant, and I did it with the chef Michael Carr Turnbow out of Denver and he was the culinary side of that whole piece and but we kind of collaboratively put that place together and what I found in researching oysters and kind of getting to know that world is I loved oyster people mm-hmm. like there's just something yeah. about oyster people and they're like I, farmers they're they're, they're like, farmers yeah and I grew up on a farm and yeah. so I had an instant connectivity there and yep. and um and so you know getting to learn that whole world and and then going to the Boston Seafood Show which is always a great show and kind of learning and more people there and so i just fell in love with the with the people behind oysters Mm -hmm. which kind of led me on this journey of once i had uh pearls and i opened one i was a partners with in columbia and then um and then we were in the nota thing and i was here but i always had in the back of my mind ever since i had done pearls i'd love to do a carolina-based farm to fork oyster bar and see and sustainable seafood restaurant that's when i learned to have to care about sustainable seafood and to learn that, you know, we 
uh, 95% of our seafood that we consume here is imported. Yeah. It's, you know? It's crazy, And that's, in, that's just an so, insane number. It's so ridiculous. And, but we have all this coastline and all these lakes and all yeah. this uh, ability, you know? So that kind of was like, oh, okay. So there's a little bit of a mission here on yeah. that, too, to kind of to go after that and, and just to build something around what do we have here Yep. and what can we do here. And it turns out we can do great things. we got great fish yeah. from the Carolinas. We've got... You know, that we have the second largest estuary on the East Coast, which is Core Sound in North Carolina. And um, so just, you know, we have a great natural environment here. So that's what led you to sea level and sea, mm-hmm. to that concept. Yeah, it was kind of cooking for years while you were like, I yeah. want to explore this. The idea was there for a long time, yeah. and then I just started exploring it, and I just literally just spent time on the coast and meeting farmers and clamors and oyster people and stuff and i and i was privileged enough to get to know this the morris family in sea level Mm -hmm. and um and we just created a partnership of just like growing some oysters and let's bring them back to growlers Mm -hmm. at the time and let's just try them out and see what they're like and and kind of give them the feedback they needed and once they could get the scale i just wanted my own house oyster yeah and um from the carolinas it was affordable that was local and was, a, you know, and kind of the foundation of the sustainable seafood piece. Do you know um, Trey McMillan from Low Country Oyster Farm in Charleston? I do. Know. Big beardy dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you so, know him? Yeah, I've met him before, but his guy, um, oh, God, I can't remember his name, uh, who also looks like him with yeah, a big, huge beard. They're, they're all beardy dudes. Yeah. Right? They all look uh, like he him. Used to, he, we used to work together at Pearl's. Okay. So, yeah, I know yeah. those guys well. And I've done a couple. There's an event that I do in Atlanta for um, Oyster South. Uh-huh. And they were just down there with me at that one. Cool. There too, so, yeah. Have you yeah. been out to his farm yet? I have not been to his farm. You I'm should, way overdue. Yeah, yeah. Come down. Like So Trey has become a very good friend of mine. Like We're super close. Oh, cool. He, so he, his oysters are our house oysters. Oh, I good. use them in all of our stores. Oh, fantastic. I just I love the guy. He's just such a great dude. Yeah, and his story is awesome. I'm gonna get him on here and, yeah. and talk about his story because you know he started as a pro angler. Nate, like that. Nate, yeah, Nate, Nate's like yeah. his number two over yeah. there. That's he's right. a great guy too. Yeah, he's a super. And they're just they're a mom and pop shop. Yeah, it's like him and his buddies, and yeah. they are and they are raising some amazing oysters using the northern techniques. You mm-hmm. know the suspended cages and yep. all that stuff. So they're super clean. Yeah. Um, they're not, you know, the muddy oysters that you think of as like mm-hmm. Southern, like I couldn't eat Southern oysters when I moved here in 2002. I was like, fucking oysters from the South. Are you kidding me? Like those mud, mud cups? Like, nope. But it's, that's not the case anymore. Yeah. I mean, the, some of the oysters that the, the farmers are, are producing now are amazing. Like yeah. they, they, they are as good as many of the Northern varietals, I think. Yeah. And we've had a um, long growing season. It's all about the, the, yeah. the, whatever that estuary is with their grow it, right? The, yeah. Whatever that. Yeah chemical or molecular makeup of those of the waters waters, that are in there Mm -hmm. of that you know uh, of that area but i love you know where our oysters come from is nelson bay and and it's just you know it's just got the right amount of brine and the right amount of balance and i just you know we're super proud of them and and it's a great relationship out there that's awesome yeah so what's next you know uh you you got three of these burger joints you're gonna do you're gonna do eight (laughs) What's, yeah. what's, what's next for you? Well, I think, uh, so we're kind of a take it one step at a time type of group. We don't have a five-year plan because we would just blow it probably, most likely. <laughs> yeah. So, but we just try to, again, go back to assess every day what's working, what's not, and and, and look for opportunities when they arise. And uh, so we're building a, a waterman uh, up on Lake Norman. Yep. Uh, it's in Cornelius. We're, uh, we're, we'll be open late March in that one. Awesome. So. 
the Waterman has done really well since we we built that. Partially because it also has this rooftop bar, the, the what we call topside, an outdoor patio, and it had a lot of outdoor seating, which during this whole thing has been a yeah. pretty key commodity, right? Yeah. And um, we do not have that uptown. We, do. we don't. You you, we do. have, you a have a small, little bit. We got it's, six it's, tables out yeah. there. That, it's a wind tunnel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not really a patio. <laughs> so much. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so that that branch has done well. We just yeah. you know we had to work. We had to massage it for a while. We didn't get it right at first, and we didn't really know exactly who we were. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I love that, I kind of love that journey though too. You know, you yeah, gotta, you got to have to kind of look like, yeah, you know, you're not you're not killing it. You're actually you're missing the mark somewhere here. You know, and we wanted to be a neighborhood seafood joint, and that's you know we wanted high residual and you know just people to come on a regular basis and stuff. So we had to work on it a bit, but then it kind of kicked off and. And um, and did well, and it was worth doing another one. You just raised another interesting point. I was going to wrap it up, but I want to touch on this yeah. real quick. How long, when you start a new concept and, you, and you're working out a new restaurant or, or shaking out the, mm-hmm. the, the feeling of the place, how long do you feel is a good kind of measuring stick to, to kind of get your act together and, and figure out where you want to go with the concept or, or that it should start turning the corner and doing things right. Cause I mean, we suffer from the same thing every time we open the same concept again and we're like, you know, we have a, it's a different space. It's not the same So you got growing pains every time. Oh, this isn't going to go great. <laughs> That's what you're saying. I think it's going to go great. <laughs> I know it's going to go great. Um, I think you might get some new blisters and like some yeah, new calluses, but yeah, for sure, but it's going to be amazing. Stairs this time, so that's, <laughs> that's a, there you go. That's a plus. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I everybody's different. Everything is different, but I, for for me, it's always been a twelve month piece. Like you mm-hmm. can't take your eye off of anything about it for the first twelve months. Yeah, and if you do, you're going to miss you're going to miss some really really important signals and signs and details that that you don't you know. So yeah. so I think I think you have to have a decent plan to not rely so much on profitability right out of the gates because it's going to make you make poor decisions totally you know poor short-term decisions and, yep. and i we're all guilty of it yep. i'm certainly i've opened on a string budget before <laughs> and uh, so i i think you know i think it really takes a year for it to really understand what it is you've got to purge yourself of sort of that you know that b-level players that sometimes you're forced to higher when you mm-hmm. open a restaurant sometimes that happens yep and and get people to actually own it Yep. Right. Like the staff's not going to own it right away. No one's going to own it right away. Everybody's excited, mm-hmm. but they're not going to really own that that experience. Right. Um, and so I think it's I think it's a year. I think you have to really pay yeah. attention to what they're ordering, what they're not ordering, what they order once and don't order again. What the common messages is and the feedback that you're getting. You know, like yep. uh, you know, I guess the maybe the lights are too freaking low all the time. You know, <laughs> so um, even though maybe what I want, but doesn't. You know, it's yeah, not it doesn't translate. Yeah. You know. Yep. So I think that uh, I think that whole process of really being hyper focused for the first year, and it gets harder as you get bigger. It gets harder to give it that attention. Mm-hmm. So it's just a matter of you know, hopefully we can teach our team to do that and and be really vigilant and about their property of what they're running. You do you have team in place for the new Waterman that's I going? Do. You do. Yeah. And are they are they currently training with you at the? Yeah, we've the got original? them kind of scattered a little bit, helping here and there. But we have our full team in place. We're always hiring sous chefs, by the way. Yeah. If anybody out there, you know, look, contact. <laughs> submit, don't contact su- Jamie. Yeah, su- submit Lynch. your uh, <laughs> resumes to <laughs> Jamie at fivechurch.com. <laughs> yeah, we're always always hiring sous chefs. I wanted to get shirts made up to just say, now hiring sous chefs. Yeah. I know, we are too. Wore. Yeah, we are too, always. 
But I, yeah, we actually, we, I'm excited about the team that we put together up there. Yep. You know, it, it's always that uh, bring from the outside and bring from within. You know, you, you know, people that within get the culture. Sometimes you got to bring in outside talent to make your team better. Yep. And um, and we, are, I feel like we're going into this with a decent blend of those two things. Let's talk about the sous chef game a little bit. Yeah. So we, you and I were chatting before we started. This is another conversation we started touched on. Um, we were talking about, you know, the restaurant business is hard. And, and, and the pandemic proved that. The thing that, that struck me about all this is when we really started looking at it when we were going to reopen is that the livable wage thing. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a lot of talk about livable wage and because and, everybody had been on unemployment for so long. And I didn't even realize. I never gave it a thought as to what a livable wage was. Sure. Yeah, I never made one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was getting yeah. paid with peanuts well, and you, you shift grew, food. You grew up in, a, in, in yeah. an era of, of, of chef coming of age where yeah. you were just a dog. Yeah, whatever. Just, yeah, just yeah. don't kill Work me. Work 90 hours a week. Here's your three three bucks an hour. <laughs> That's it. Shut yeah. the fuck up and get back in there tomorrow. Totally. Yeah, 100%. We didn't even <laughs> clock in. I never understood that. There was no was clocking in. I don't have no idea how many hours I worked. They're like, don't you dare touch that computer. <laughs> uh, my first job, uh, I, I was in the kitchen for the first two or three years of being in the restaurant industry. Yeah. And then you're I was like, like "Fuck this!" Yeah, I just no. saw how much that guy banked. Yeah, I'm back like, washing dishes. I'm yeah, like, "I'm out of here. I'm out." Yeah, man. sorry guys. I can smile. The dark side. I'm good. You know, so that was the old that was the old way. I mean, it was that way for a long time. It's still that way in, in some of like the really upper echelon kitchens. Mm-hmm. You know, people will work for experience, right? And that's a commitment, right? You're like to me, that's a different. It's a different world when you're in a place to learn. It's almost like an like a um, like an apprenticeship, right? Like sure. you're getting all this knowledge and attention and some pay, not good pay, not mm-hmm. a livable wage, but you're getting this experience. And then there's, you know, what I would consider what we do. It's a career. I mean, people, the people that work for me and for you, I mean, they have families and they're living life. When I realized that we were paying, you know, starting people at twelve dollars an hour or like ten fifty an hour for a dishwasher. Like that math doesn't add up when you're working people 40 hours a week. Yeah. So that realization that like we were like actively participating in this disparity was a game changer for mm-hmm. us. And that's what spurred the whole tip the kitchen sure. thing. And us like thinking about how broken the restaurant model is. Mm-hmm. I think it is. And I think it needs to be fixed. I think that, I think it can be fixed. Tip the kitchen is one way that we're doing it. Do you have, how do you handle that in your businesses? How do you pay a competitive wage? What's your strategy for that? Um, if you're willing to share it. Yeah. And then also, like, what are your ideas about some of the broken parts of where we're at and how we're going to get better? Yeah, I, so I have a few thoughts. One of them is is that, you know, the pandemic um, shined a massive light on how shitty the hospitality is as an employer in general, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, just be here 10 years ago and you know the horror stories that people would tell you when they came to work for you, you know? <laughs> yeah. You'd just be like, oh my God, they did what? They yeah. told you what? They, you know, people, you know, it's just, it, it's uh, it's an industry, particularly in the smaller tertiary towns like Charlotte where, you know, the staff was just getting shit on. And I remember totally. opening up Crepe Cellar mm-hmm. uh, with Jeff and Jamie and, just you know, just hearing like how what people are coming from. It was like you know, no, we're not going to beat you. Actually, we're going to you know pay you. You yeah. know, it's like you, a, might, you, they, you might get a shift meal. People, maybe people like, <laughs> like they act like they were coming from abusive relationships. You know, yeah. a lot of times, and it was just like it was kind of eye opening. And I think that that to a degree was what that you know that just made it national news because 
you know, so many of our employees, like I know how heart wrenching it was for you guys to, to, to lay people off and to oh, close yeah. restaurant and yeah. to go to that meeting and not lose your shit and cry because yeah. you're looking at your team in your face and going, I can't keep you on. Mm-hmm. And we know that heartbreak. Yeah. But that is, end, that is the worst. It is. That the, is the worst. The low, worst day yeah. was, was whatever that uh, March freaking 18th yep. day, uh, Monday that's right. yep. at 1130. <laughs> I never uh, forget it. That scar right. is gonna. That scar is deep. Yeah, yeah. And so because of that, you know that that part of it's magnified. But then a lot, so many of our competitors, so many people uh, uh, in our industry didn't do that. Mm-hmm. They were like, "All right, fuck it, we're closed. Yeah. You guys are out. We're taking this PPP. We're going to go buy a boat. And we're going to do this and that and the other thing." And so, and hopefully, all that stuff's kind of coming back around to be able to mm-hmm. hold some people accountable for that. But but you know, if you think about that, you were a, a cook and you were doing okay mm-hmm. or you're a sous chef or a chef or something like that and you're you know you're making your money you're you're going to work every day you trust the industry to provide for you and the very next day it's like fuck you you're out of here and i can't help you yep right and that's that is a that's a massive mark on our industry mm-hmm. you know yep and people are like well i'll just you know i, I know what i'm going to make at amazon Yep. I'll just go there sure. and make, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll I can just, drive I can drive a van. I'll do my yeah. thing there and I know they're going to I'm going to get paid cuz these guys were pretty sketchy on paying me sometimes anyways and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> right. So, you know, there was we lost we genuinely and we lost it. We didn't mm-hmm. nobody no, did yeah. this to us but us. Yep. But we lost millions of people in our workforce mm-hmm. because we were just not a great employer. Yeah. And we have to be able to face that fact. Yep. So how do you fix that mm-hmm. and how how does that come about from that, you know? And so in our little world, you know, we can't go charging thirty bucks for a burger. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. I mean, and, you and you could, but then your business would would diminish. I mean, right. you you'd be out of business in in yeah. six months. You know, people would come and they'd pay pay it and they'd be like, okay, I'm done with that. I'm right. never going back. Yeah. You know, our businesses, I think, are built on return. It's not about the one time. You know, the one one couple that comes in once right. and never comes back. Our at least mine businesses are built on people that return time and time again and right. that repeat business is where it's at. People aren't gonna do that if you have to yeah. gouge them. So, so that's I think not a model that we our have. approach is a little bit is is how can we be a better employer and how can we be an employer of choice in a flawed industry? Mm-hmm. Right. And how can we help move that along? And so um, what we stopped doing immediately was whatever someone said that they were worth, they're either worth it or they're not. Mm-hmm. Right. You're a fantastic seventy thousand dollar manager, or you're not a, not worth fifty. So mm-hmm. who am I to argue what you think that you're worth or not? You're either going to be worth it or you're not, mm-hmm. right? So pay what you think you you deserve. It's going to show up pretty pretty quickly whether that was a good decision or a bad decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also did benefits. We we went into the health benefits game, and we didn't technically have to because we're different LLCs for things, and we weren't right. we didn't fit the guidelines. We we're like. People that work for you full time, they need health benefits. And I, I've been blown away by, and a little miscalculation too, of how many people participated in our health benefits program. Okay. You know? Yeah. A ton. Yeah. And it's great. It feels really good that we have 100 people on health benefits. Yeah. Right now. That's you know, awesome. That's a great, I feel good about that. You should. And, and you know, and it's costly. Mm-hmm. And it didn't come from, you know, we kind of, you know, yeah. that, there's only 100 pieces to that pie. and. Yep. And um, and it's got to get caught up in certain ways. But do you guys share that expense with your employees? Is we, it like a we do? But we do a seventy five. We cover okay. seventy five and cover twenty five. So you can, 
you could work for us and for 23 bucks a week you can have health insurance yeah that's great and so um and which means anybody can if they really want it they're going to get it because you're yeah. not going to get any better than that no you know? no and, and you know in the outside world <laughs> yeah you know yeah and then you know we we did that we've also really you know the the work hard thing uh we just kind of had to drop the you know the badge of honor by working a ton of hours thing yeah. just like no if mm-hmm. if anyone works for us that works more than 50 hours a week as a salary person or leader or whatnot we're always having conversations like what can you what can i do to alleviate the workload that clearly i or my company has put on your shoulders to make you feel that way that you have to be in here on your day off you know? i have something to say about that <laughs> it's interesting because it because it, it it's a flaw that i had right um, I always we worked. All did. I, I worked all sure. the time. That's the that's the way I that I came do. up. I, I Somewhat. still do. Too. Yeah, I still do too. I'm but, always I'm always working. I'm not working right. the way that I was. But like I'm on okay the line. putting that burden on me. I'm not comfortable with putting, putting that it on somebody on else. else. So I, a lot of my chefs now that work for me, you know, I, I preach that like quality of life thing. Right. Because it because it changed my life. Yeah, like, what real, does it mean? How do you deliver that? So and, 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 and the thing and the thing. I'm trying to teach them to become better managers because I'm a terrible manager. Right. Like I think that I'm a very good leader mm-hmm. and I'm an awful manager. Like I'm a time management. No good. Like, you know, money. Nope. Focus. <laughs> like, yeah. No, God, yeah, don't have it. That's why I work seven days a week because I'm a fucking train wreck. I have to, to get everything done. So what I'm trying to teach my team is like, you don't have to do it this way. Right. There's a smarter way to do it yeah. where you can do as good a work or better in less time yep. than it takes me to do it. I'm just like, I'm yeah. an old dog. I can't like get I, organized that way. I hear you. I want 45 <laughs> great hours from you. Yeah. That's what I want. I want nine, I want nine hours, five days a week. Yeah. And I want those days to be mine. That time yeah. to be mine. hundred yep. percent focused. I'm all in. I don't have to go to the doctor's appointment. I don't have to yeah. step out school. for uh, whatever. You know, I don't have to do any of that stuff. But I, if, if you can give me that, you'll more than succeed in you, what your parameters of your responsibilities are mm-hmm. and then go get tree charged. Yeah. Don't, you know, and, and chefs yeah. are usually the worst ones they are in there <laughs> on their day off, taking orders and writing the schedules and stuff. I'm like, you got to realize this is not the expectation. Yeah. This is a weakness that you have that I'm willing to help you fix, Yep. but you can't be in here seven days a week and still perform at the level. Nobody can. Yeah. You so can't. You're, yeah, you you're fried. tired. You're, you're fried. fried. You're pissed. Yep. You're not as sharp with your team. Yep. You're not putting your best effort on the plate. Hundred percent. And so, you know, there's a, you know, we have a lot of dialogue with that. And you know, my my administrative team, you know, they're burdened right now. Growth is hard. Yeah, it is. You know. Yeah. And so, you know, it's hard. It's hard not to like work that extra day because you're like, yeah. I, I just can't. You know, Al, I can't I'm fit getting, it in if I don't. I'm getting emails from Alex at 11 o'clock at night. She's she's yeah. my brand and community manager. She shouldn't yeah. be working at 11 yeah, o'clock like, at night. Like the Diops, restaurants are closed. What are you doing? Yeah, my director of ops is sending me shit at 2 a.m. Yeah, you know, we're, like, we're, oh. we're we are so guilty of all that. You know, stuff and it's too. just yeah. like, and there's yeah. guilt that is associated with that. Yeah. Like I, you know, I I feel like yeah. I, the the system is making you do this, and what? How right. can we help? So at least we're having those conversations and and being mindful of the fact that. You can't just drive people hard and expect no. great results and expect them to stick around because that's a massive piece of our industry historically that you and I have grown up with yep. that has to change. Yep. You know, totally you got to be able to clock out and go home, man. Yeah. And, and, and like being healthy, like having yeah. that time off of off of work, we're healthy because that's one thing for me. You know, I feel like I've gotten healthier over the, the older I've gotten. Like mm-hmm. I was I was a crazy chef. Right. I was yeah. like in that whole drugs and alcohol and all, like all that stuff. 
um, for so long and working every day and 14 hours a day. Burn it and I just, yeah, yeah, I just like, and I've burned out a couple times in my career. Like I've literally hit the wall. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had, I've had a couple experiences where Patrick, my business partner was like, dude, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Like, I don't want to see you for two days. You are a mess and you are not helping anybody. <laughs> you're not doing any, like, I don't know what the fuck you're doing. You know, like, just get out of here. Go that's a, like, that's go, a good partner. Yeah. Good. He's like, go recharge, man. Yeah. Like, we'll get it figured out. Yeah. I'm surprised that I was, I've become successful like the way that I have doing it that way. Right. Because the, like, I'm super clean now. Like, I don't, I'm totally sober. I take care of myself. I try to eat well, you know, yeah. my sleep patterns are great. Now, like sure. I, like now I, when I sleep, I'm actually sleeping. I'm not like, you know, hopped up on, you know, I'm not like resting my body for a minute before I get back into it. And, and you're able to function better. Yeah. Right. So you like your work, I don't have to work 14 hours right now. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm halfway through my day by eight 30, right. Like eight 30 in the morning. I'm like, Holy shit, I've accomplished more than I did 10 years ago in a whole right. day. Yeah. And it's only been like three hours, yeah. you know? And I think that that's something that we need to somehow infuse into our, our business models as we grow, mm-hmm. you know, pushing that, that I think the health benefits is a great way to do that, but pushing that like, idea of you know healthy living yeah there's a well there's there's a wellness thing that's next for i think for us we have to kind of tap into that mm-hmm. you know i i'm overall pretty healthy i think i'm healthier than i was 20 years ago i cycle a lot and 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 stuff and so i think that that overall wellness has got to be better preached and it's got to yeah. come from us like we have to kind of live and, and do that i tell you the um, example you gotta yeah. you gotta show you gotta show the way yeah you know I don't, uh, I don't know how much you know about Eric Repair and, and his uh, what he talks about, but you know he's got this this circle of you know, and his time is like this is how much goes to work, this is how much goes to family, this is how much goes to me mm-hmm. and myself and yeah. alone, yeah, and pursuing my thoughts and inspirations and whatnot. And he's religious about it, like yeah. he sticks with it. This is this is how much go, time goes to my faith, you know, mm-hmm. and. Um, and I, I strive to get even close to something like that. But that's the beacon for me is that yeah. if I could learn that and then I could also teach my team that, then that in turn makes us a better industry to work at because it's kind of a, you know, it's a healthy place to, to be. And, and historically, sure. we have not been a healthy place to, to work, you know, no. and yeah. come up. <laughs> totally. Oh, man, that's good. I, I like that. I knew that Eric Repair is a very, like, thoughtful. He's Buddhist. He's yep. got a lot of – he's a smart yeah, dude. But that takes an immense amount of commitment mm-hmm. to be that way. Like that's a little intimidating. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love Eric Repair. Yeah. Um, he was on Jeffrey Sakarian has that uh, uh, podcast that he has, uh-huh. and Eric was on there, and that's kind of where I learned about that oh, piece cool. from there. It was just, it was really enlightening. All right. was, I'm not promoting somebody else's podcast. That's fine. I'm going to listen to it. <laughs> like, I'm going to learn something. So that's fine. Thank you for yeah. that. <laughs> Cool, man. So, so the lake is next, and then are you looking to the future after that, or is it just let's let's get the watermen? Let's see if we've got. Let's see if we struck gold or not, right? Like Mm -hmm. you know, you do well with a location of some a brand that you think that you've figured out, Mm -hmm. and um, and then you try it again, and and maybe you did, maybe you didn't, and so. Uh, I think that um, I'm optimistic about that brand. I, I like it a lot. I think it's it is a scalable idea, mm-hmm. um, but it has to work every time. Yeah. Right. No dogs. No dogs allowed. So yeah. so number two is almost as important as number one because we we now have expectations right. of what the what what it does and 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 whether it translates to a different demographic. It's different people up in Cornelius than it is in South End. Yeah. Not drastically different, but you know there's a 
there's a different budget up there. There's sure. um, different demands and probably you know expectations. I hope that you blow away your your first one's expectations and then it works out for you. I appreciate uh, that. Yeah, man. So let's um let's wrap it up there. Yeah. Thanks thanks a lot for your for your time and being open about what's going on with you guys. There's a lot more that I want to touch on um, with you because I yep. think there's a lot more experiences that we could we could chat about. Um, maybe let's do another one uh, follow up in a, yeah. in a few weeks or something. That'd be awesome. awesome. It's, a, it's been an honor. I appreciate it. Thanks, Paul.